the City Rev Life podcast. My name is Roby and this is Rebecca and we are here in a episode that is really going a little bit deeper on some things we've been talking about mm-hmm. in a sermon series that we've recently done called Faith and Logic Volume 4. You can check that out on the Sermon pod- Podcast, the Sermon the City Rev um, Sermon Podcast or just on our online. But in that series we've been talking about masculinity and femininity and how those things are described in the Bible, both men and women are created equal by God, Mm. and yet there are many similarities, and yet there are some distinctions, and those distinctions are ways that God is revealing himself, because the Bible says that men and women are both made in the image of God, and so we've been kind of going a little deeper in these podcast episodes to talk about masculinity and femininity, what does the Bible say about those distinctions, And one of the things, we're going to mainly focus on one of those distinctions with femininity, but one of those things is the idea of nurture, that God has, is revealing himself through femininity, specifically a part of who he is in his nurturing capacity. Yeah, that's right. You know, God compares himself or describes himself in masculine and feminine terms Mm -hmm. um, to just display a part of his character. And one of the sides that you're you're mentioning um, is that nurture side. And there's a beautiful passage in Isaiah that says, um, it says this, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. And God mm. chooses to reveal that nurturing side of his character by comparing himself like a mother nursing her child. It's just a very highly um you know capacity for nurture that she's revealing about himself mm. and drawing out that um that part of uh, a female that's that translate to every culture and every generation sure. everyone can understand um, a mother and her nursing child and so he's revealing something about his own character and also you know much like god does through his son jesus she's giving a part of herself to mm-hmm. her, her, her child. She's she's giving a part of herself. She's sustaining life, and so much like God does that through His Son Jesus, you know, we get a p- chance as women, especially, to do that for our children. Yeah, it's really beautiful that he, that God is using that. I mean, it's like one of the most ultimate nurturing moments, yeah. and that He's using that to describe Himself, and to re- that He's basically saying. I'm revealing my nurture for my creation and humanity in particular through women. And so I think this is so important for a couple of reasons. And this is part of what we've been talking about. We have a, a um, I guess you could say we're squeamish as a generation to really highlight the differences between men and women. And because it seems like either with with men, we, we don't really know what to do with masculinity often. And then with femininity, it seems like if we do anything other than just let women define womanhood for themselves, each individual, if we do anything other than that, it will end up being this kind of oppressive framework. Mm. And so we're trying to say, well, what if we let the one who invented men and women define mm. masculinity and femininity? Because then we would, I think then logically, we would find definitions of masculinity and femininity that are freeing. And mm-hmm. so when we see that the Bible is highlighting uh, this incredible part of femininity, of nurture, mm. then um, I, I think we shouldn't be afraid to do that. And we right. should be looking for how does that really honor and, and empower mm-hmm. women in that as one of the areas that is, sure. that is beautiful about femininity. Sure. 
But what we want to do in this episode is lay that foundation, but take it um, a step further, because while we want to see what God says, first and foremost in the scripture, we actually, as we dig into his creation, we find out that really scientifically what the Bible says is confirmed. Yeah, we're finding oftentimes in research um, confirmation of what's been in scripture for generations. And so it's neat to see science catching up to the biblical truths, Mm. um, such as this one that we just read in Isaiah. And so there's a science behind nurture, um, especially in women, Mm -hmm. that again, it's, it's just factual. It, it just is. If you just look at brain and biology and science, um, it's kind of value neutral. You know, we tend to attach values and assign meanings to things culturally, to words like women and femininity and masculinity. But if you just look at the science and kind of put all that on the shelf, you'll just see some biological differences um, between the brain and biology of men and women that is in and of itself just beautiful and neat to see those distinctions and how they interplay Mm. and again how they reflect the image of god too so we're going to talk a little bit more about the science behind that yeah i think that's really really important because we've been talking about how ladies have just such a high capacity for relationship intimacy and nurture and when you see the science behind that that means that that is, it confirms, that's not a cultural concept of right. femininity. That's not a traditional concept of femininity. There is bi- biology happening that are is equipping women and empowering women to have that high capacity, especially sure. for nurture. So walk us through this. What is the biology behind a woman's capacity to nurture? Sure. So there are some actual biological factors that just set women up specifically women up a little bit more from that motherhood nurturing role. Mm. Not that men can't, but they're just those biological factors that are kind of the imprinted and the blueprints of of a female. And so um, part of it is uh, a hormone that's released called oxytocin. And there are specific times when that kind of surges in a woman's brain and body. Um, And one of those times is during just that maternal care, things like um, nursing or the act of childbirth. And that is exclusive to women. It's a beautiful gift that women have. and, And that hormone hormone is released at that time. But then another way that oxytocin is released is just through meaningful physical touch. So something like sexual intercourse, of course, but even just an intimate hug. And that might seem kind of like, wow, that's a wide spectrum of, of uh, physical touch that could produce that type of reaction. But even just like a 20 second physical hug for a woman's brain only releases oxytocin. Hmm. Um, lastly, um, oxytocin is present in just some social situations. Um, this is a little bit less research, but it is present um, there that sometimes oxytocin can play a role in recognizing familiar faces, um, can also be present when having empathy um, in, an, in a social situation or with a friend. So it's kind of known, kind of its nickname, I guess, is known as the bonding hormone because it's produced in relationship pairings. It's produced in that mother-infant pairing or that spouse pairing or even in the context of an intimate friendship. Hmm. So it's kind of known to just bond people together and it's highly present in those types of moments. So, uh, <laughs> so oxytocin is a hormone that is, if I'm understanding correctly, is like a bonding hormone. It bonds two people together. Mm-hmm. And it can be through physical touch, like between you know spouses, 
um, a husband and wife, or it can be through um, like a, a, even with friends, there's recent research you're saying that friends can kind of, you know, connect through yeah. just being together. Um, but also specifically a mother and, and child. Mm-hmm. There's that that bonding that that happens. Right. And so and this is present while men do nurture mm-hmm. um, and do have, um, you know, that that capacity. It's not quite to the capacity that a woman does. Is oxytocin found more in women than in men? It's just a different occasions and different parts of the brain are responsible for different really you know for housing oxytocin so men have oxytocin too and they also have different things too that bond them to um their relationships but again it's just different so it's neat to see the distinction but oxytocin it's almost like it produces almost that feeling but it's not just a feeling it, it also acts as like a an emotional adhesive Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a glue that bonds people together um, from brain to brain. You know, it's it's in the process of birth. So it's, it's partly present for creating people. It's also feeding and nurturing, you know, um, sustaining life. And so it's just a very high capacity um, <clears throat> activities that, that it plays a role in. And so that's why researchers say it really sets women up for motherhood because it's present and during mm-hmm. some of these basic um, early stages of uh, creating life and bonding with a new human life. Wow. So because, I mean, obviously those unique things that are unique to womanhood of uh, nursing and birthing, um, oxytocin spikes, bonding that mother to that child, that is one of those unique uh, biological things that's happening, that spike in, spike in oxytocin is setting up a woman for, for motherhood. Exactly. And that, and that nurturing capacity there. Exactly. Absolutely. So studies have kind of taken this a step further, like saying, let's learn a little bit more about oxytocin. Mm-hmm. So they have found in studies, specifically when working with animals, when they introduce more oxytocin, um, they have found that animals cuddle more, mm-hmm. um, that uh, female animals are more protective of their young. And um, they also can demonstrate um, the act of long suffering. So being able to just go the distance with their young in the midst of uh, opposition or resistance or trial, they're able to kind of go the distance and oxytocin is present in those moments. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Yeah. So um, another study, excuse me, it it took... uh, a, a lamb. It, it, it took a sheep and a lamb, and um, they had two stakes in the ground. One stake had um, just hay around it. Another stake had a one-month-old lamb, so a baby lamb, mm-hmm. infant lamb, um, in 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 their those terms. And so they had these two stakes, one with hay, one with a um, a baby lamb, and the lamb was bleating because it was taken from its mom. And so it was just naturally just going to be Ble- crying. Bleeding meaning like <laughs> crying, not like uh, blood everywhere. You mean? Correct. Okay. Yes. Just so, want the right picture. Because those are two different things. A crying know. lamb. A crying we'll lamb. Say. Okay. We'll go with that. Um, so anyway, then they introduced a female sheep, one a female grown, fully grown adult sheep that had never been a mother or had never or w- was not currently pregnant. Hmm. So this female lamb that had, or sheep that... Um, had not a history of a mothering role, they introduced this adult female lamb. Well, they inject the female lamb, first of all, with a saline they solution. They introduced the female sheep, and then they, right? 
Okay. There's, Did it's I a say full lamb? grown sheep. Yeah. yeah, it's full grown sheep, but not sheeps been a mother. Sheeps and lambs, yeah. This is really confusing. <laughs> lambs, sheeps, they're bleeding. We don't know. Okay. So let me let me recap. We've got two steaks, hay on one and a baby lamb on the other that is crying for its mother. Bleating, if you will. Bleating. <laughs> you have a sheep that is full grown female sheep, but's never been a mother. Correct. Okay. So they first inject um, safely, obviously, the the sheep, the female sheep, with a saline solution and release it. And the adult sheep goes to the hay. It's hungry. It's hungry. Okay. Not a huge surprise there. But they take that sheep, the same sheep, they repeat the exercise, but this time they inject just a small dose of oxytocin. So same scenario. There's the hay. There's the, the crying lamb. And um, the sheep does, in fact, go to the crying lamb and actually starts to mother it. Wow. So the conclusion that the study is drawing is that oxytocin, when present in your brain, does kind of act as a precursor to that nurturing role um, in women. That's really interesting. I, I love this discussion in that I like how it's, it's really showing the biology underneath it. And I think it's important to say, you know, it's not that we didn't believe the Bible until we had the science, um, but I think we, we that, that's kind of the faith and logic, mm. you know, uh, tug. Um, logic bolsters our, our faith. They go together. And we, we, take, um, we take the Bible on faith. And uh, oftentimes, as we continue on and push into what the Bible's saying, we see things that are, that are confirming like that. Yeah. But I, I think this is great. I think it, it helps us to think through, okay, God is showing off a part of himself in, in nurture, through femininity, and so that we can say without being afraid that, ladies, uh, you have been equipped and empowered to show off something powerful, beautiful, incredible, glorious about God, and that's his nurture for humanity, mm-hmm. and that let's celebrate and honor, uh, ladies, your incredible capacity for relationship, for intimacy, and for nurture. And, and also say that that's going to be reflected differently and even in varying capacities yeah. among women. That doesn't mean that that needs to be um, uh, played out in a very narrow way. That can look different, differently in different ways. But let's honor um, that capacity that you've been given because you're, you're glorifying God and let's celebrate that. And I think this is also, um, when we have the Bible, I think uh, speaking about this, I think what's so important is that the Bible then critiques both culture and tradition. And so it corrects both the, uh, the cultural expectations on femininity yeah. and traditional um, a- aspects and expectations of femininity. And it helps correct both those because I think a lot of times those are intention. Yeah, I agree. And I think something that we've talked about in the sermon series and I, you've brought up a really good point is, you know, much like in science, when we, we conform our reality to truths that are being proven. Mm. And um, not that we need science to, to prove that the Bible's true, but when the Bible instructs us on something, there's a reason why. And there might be some faith components to that that, that are dissonant and countercultural to what our culture is saying. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's kind of, re- it creates that tension that you're describing, but being able to conform our reality and our our worldview to that biblical worldview is what's going to set us up to thrive and mm. not just survive in our context. Right. So I, I completely agree with that. And I think 
some of this can help course correct what it's like being a female in today's society. You know, you've got women that are uh, staying at home, maybe they're homeschooling their kids, and there might be some of that social pressure of mm. they're not doing enough or not contributing enough or what are they really doing and you've they're got they're not a modern woman or yeah, something yeah they're like not that. a modern woman right. or or sh she must feel so oppressed because look at her she's just slaving right. at home all day and you know doesn't get the opportunities that maybe her husband wants and or that he gets to have or what have you but you know that might be something that a, a woman wants to do um, or she might feel like she has to do that and so it kind of this research but also just the bible really allows for a wide range of how to express mm -hmm. our femininity and our nurturing side you know it doesn't always have to be expressed in that way as a homeschool mom or a stay-at-home mom i know some wonderful working moms that do both and so i think it's just being able to say okay taking what the bible says and wearing it in your context mm -hmm. you know in in the bathing it in prayer in light of who God designed you to be in the context of your family, mm -hmm. you know, there's so many beautiful expressions of that femininity. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. I think, I think a lot of times our modern cultural expectation is that you're selling out if you just stay at home or you're not being productive or you're, you're not fully expressing who you could be as a woman. And then, uh, and there's pressure to, to go out and, you know, make a name for yourself and have a career and all those things. There's pressure to do that. On the flip side, there's a, sometimes a pressure on, from a tradition that a, a woman should be staying at home, should not be out in the world, should not be a working mom. And so a woman can feel guilt and shame on either side. And so what, what I love what you're saying is, is just a woman should be prayerfully seeking out, God, you've given me this capacity. How do you want me to express this? Right. And a husband and wife coming together to prayerfully together say, God, what are you calling uh, for our family to look like? Right. And it can look differently. A woman could, could stay home and raise children and pour herself into that and feel called to that. A woman could be out in the workplace and be a working mom and fully express both of the, either of those things. Right. And it doesn't have to be woodenly one or the other. I think uh, we can, as we celebrate, what does the Bible say? I think the other thing is it's important to note that the Bible also expresses this differently with different women in the scripture. Right. There were some very active um, working women, and right. that's even celebrated in yeah. places like Proverbs 31. And so the Bible doesn't tell us to woodenly have one or the other. Um, but it does highlight this incredible capacity for a woman to right. Nurture. And I think it's important and to, you know, celebrate mm -hmm. whatever role that the women in your context are in. You know, men celebrating that in their workplaces or as a husband to their spouse. You know, but I also think other women celebrating that in other women. Yeah. You know, if a woman is in a high capacity volunteer or leadership role and has to miss something or a meeting or what have you because she's nurturing or taking care of her her family, you know, affirming that having that woman's back and, you know, protecting that leadership um, for that lady who's trying to wear multiple hats and doing it well and trying to do the best she can. I think other women championing that for mm -hmm. each other is only going to help move the ball down further of being able to see 
a woman in her full capacity and being able to nurture uh, well. And for women who aren't yet mothers or aren't mothers, I think there's still that nurture capacity in a work environment that is so needed. Right. And there's research out there even showing that the emotional intelligence is somewhat more marketable even than in IQ intelligence because being able to... Right understand the emotional temperature of a room, being able to discern the best in your team, bringing out the best in leaders, that is not something that's discriminated between men and women. I think we both have that, but there's a way that let women can leverage that and be that type of nurturing presence in their workplace. I think that's great. Um, uh, maybe just a, a couple thoughts uh, as we close. Sure. Um, I, I just pastorally want to encourage ladies, if you're dealing with guilt or shame, mm -hmm. either because you've chosen to stay home and you're in your, you feel the cultural pressure to release to, if, if you are seeking the Lord and you have, and the Lord has directed you into whatever direction you've gone, then release the guilt and shame and express that nurture. If, if you're feeling that when you're if, being home, if you feel called to continue your profession, your career, and you're a working mom and you're feeling guilt and shame, release that mm, the mm -hmm. guilt and shame, uh, yeah. shame is not from the Lord. And right. so what's important though, is to stop and to discuss and prayerfully seek out with the Lord and with your, with your husband, um, what is God calling you all as a family to look like? The, the challenge then for men and for husbands in particular is that a, a wise, godly husband is going to not force one destination or the other on his wife and is going to be seeking the Lord with, with her and seeking, um, seeking out what is the Lord putting on her heart is expressing that nurture. Because there are some contexts where a husband may be forcing his wife to work when she'd love to stay home because of financial goals. Well, that's not a good enough reason. Um, God's calling is a good enough reason. Or a husband may be forcing his wife to stay home when she's feeling called to lean in on some of the gifts she's had and to be present and active out in the city in her career. And so I think it's important husbands to not force one or the other. This is the, this is the daughter of God that he's given incredible capacity. And this should be something that is prayerfully discerned together in, in, uh, in the marriage, uh, in, in, in that marriage and, and understanding and highlighting this incredible capacity that ladies you've been given to, to nurture. Um, any other thoughts that you have, Rebecca, as we close? No, I think that it's a really good point that you bring up and just separating the guilt and shame and, you know, conviction from the Holy Spirit, that's one thing, but mm -hmm. guilt is not from the Lord. Right. And so if if anyone's feeling like, wow, I might need to change from staying at home to working or working to staying at home, I think that's just the conversation between you and the Lord mm -hmm. and in light of how God made you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope that this has been helpful and uh, this episode. And we will see you next time on the City Rev Life podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the City Rev Life podcast. Feel free to subscribe and leave a rate and review. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. So don't forget to tag us at cityrev.church. If you're interested in more resources, download our City Rev Church app and follow us on social media. Thank you so much and have a great day.